Hello and welcome to another episode of the Comedian's Paradise. This is where we speak to tantalizing, inspiring people from across the globe. Now, if you're a comedian, this is the perfect podcast for you to go out and live life on your own terms. If you like this podcast, share it with your friends. Give us a five-star review on Amazon or iTunes. And most importantly, subscribe and go on this fantastic journey. Now, today we have a very special guest. Normally, we're bringing comedians, podcasters, agents, all from the world of comedy. But today, I want to change things up a bit. We hit for here today. We got a man who is who is well, I'm a big fan of a man who runs Power Moves. It is a it is basically sort of a he's like a social would you say engineering site where you can sort of navigate your way through life in the right way, so you can go and be as successful as you can. And he is someone you're going to absolutely love. Hello, Lucio. Thank you so much, mate, for having me here. Such a wonderful intro. I am very, very honored. It's a pleasure to have you here. And we're, 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 I'm excited to hear your opinions on what goes on in comedy and whether you think we're all nuts. <laughs> yes, you know, let's do it very, uh, let's build it together, let's say, because you got the experience on the comedian side. Maybe I got a little bit more on frame control, games people play, sociology, psychology, et cetera, et cetera. And maybe we can combine, fuse it together and come up with something beautiful and helpful. Exactly. A bit like fish and chips, because fish without the chips and a tartar sauce is not good. <laughs> That's such a UK English reference. Man, love that. <laughs> now you have you've had quite an interesting life. So like one of the things is like your purpose in life and what you say is that what made you get into the self-help industry is that you found a lot of it wasn't really practical in order to make people progress and make the most of their lives because one of the things i came across from a, a hypno expert was he said that of a lot of um self-help gurus they give you little bits of information so you get hooked keep buying the products and they don't really sort your problem out they just give you a little bit so you keep chasing the product so if you say oh i like this Oh, now, if you want to sort this out, you have to get this book, this course, that course. Yes, man, you know, we, we start jumping right into it. Absolutely. So there are several ways that we can go on with this. That's like the marketer approach. And you know what's interesting? I was recently reading a book on Machiavellianism, and they ran the Machiavellianism scale called the Mach 4 on 1,000 marketers. <laughs> And the percentage of high Machiavellians among the marketers was so extremely higher compared to the normal population. So absolutely, people who do things in marketing, selling products or selling courses, they are much, much more Machiavellian than the average person. So you can expect a lot more games, a lot more manipulation, a lot more psychological tricks, a lot more influencing games, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. So what you say, I'm pretty sure happens a lot of times with many self-development courses and books and products. And I think with a lot of that is that they basically tell you what you want to hear. Like there's quotes in it. Like if you tell people the truth, they'll hate you. 
if you tell people this, they're not going to like you. And it's it's basically they hook people in like drugs, cocaine, so they keep going with it, tell them what they want to hear, and they keep buying the products where they feel like they're progressing. But if they look at things, no, they haven't. Yes, that's also very true, man. And I think, you know, there is also a type of personality that is very into self-development. So they're going to consume product after product. And the focus is more on consuming the product rather than doing the things that will work for you. So absolutely. So, you know, when we look at manipulation, abuse, there are two ways of looking at it. One is the manipulator slash abuser, and the other one is the victim. And sometimes it's a codependent relationship, right? So we cannot just point the finger on one side. We also need to look at the other side. So yes, there is also a type of personality that is after consuming product after product rather than putting in the work, so to speak. Hmm. They like to feel like they're doing things. And is that is that what made you sort of get into the whole sort of power moves? You, you'd see people that are consuming these things and not getting anywhere. You'd be like, what? Come on. Yeah, I've seen a few of those, absolutely. It's not exactly what got me into it. What got me into it was looking at the dark side of human nature, socialization, seeing it applied in the workplace. And, you know, there were no products describing what was happening. There were no products really explaining to people why it happens, what it is that it's happening and what they can do about it. So, you know, I was reading a lot of social skills books, self-help in general, dating as well, anything that had to do with people, um, people's strategies, psychology, relationships. And there wasn't anything that really got into the darker side of human nature. So I remember one day I was standing in the bathroom thinking about a situation that had just happened to me. And I was thinking, where could be the answer to this? And then it hit me in a way, you know, okay, maybe I have to provide that. And that's where, that's where they say, isn't it? With a lot of businesses, you see something that you're annoyed with, or think daft and you fill that gap. Yes, yes. At least a few good businesses start their way, right? Because it means that there probably is a gap in there. And if it's something that people are interested in, then, you know, you got the demand already built in and what you're going to start. Okay. And one of the things you like to put in your, your site and your sort of services is you talk about social strategies, career strategies and dating. How do they overlap? Like, are they all part of the same brand, but just applied slightly differently? Mm -hmm. That's a very good question, man, because you got all these different things where people build their own niche on their own, right? So career strategies, dating strategies, relationship, also friends, social strategies, or your neighbor or whatever. Well, to me, the overlap is people. It's people, it's psychology games people play what people want the, the base is the same the bases are humans and how they interact with each other and i was always surprised sometimes to see that so many silos when we're dealing with people right and to me they're all part of the same infrastructure if you do well with your friends if you understand the games chances are you do well with dating you do well with your spouse you do well with your parents you do well in meeting new people you do well in your career there is a tremendous overlap. To me, actually, you cannot do them on silos because you're not providing the best service. The best service is explain the base, the main structure, how people work, what do they want, 
And then on top, you can layer up and you know go a little bit more in depth in each one of them. Because yes, there are differences in each one of them, but the commonalities are stronger than the differences. So one of the things that I hear like from, there's two things, like NLP says that everything that everyone does is meant to be good for them. And most actions are either to avoid pain or to gain pleasure. Is that true? In a way, it's true, yes. NLP was huge for a while. It's still going strong. Absolutely. It's in large part true. However, not always, right? People often, they get confused, right? And there are things that are maladaptive in human nature. So there is this idea that as we have evolved, we have evolved to do all the things that are good for us, but that, that's not always the case. Evolution is always random sometimes. And plus what was adaptive in one environment is not adaptive anymore today in, our, in today's environment. So I would say that, yeah, 80% of the times people try to pursue what's good for them and or what they think is good for them. But, you know, there's always those exceptions that confirm the rule. Yeah, there always, there's always individuals and characters that think beyond things. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so I'm going to ask one more question before we sort of dive in and look at the comedy dynamics and the psychology of it all. Uh, what would you say is the thing that most people do wrong in terms of like psychology and in like getting things done in the right way you know just people in nine to five jobs like or people doing jobs they hate what what do they what what's what can someone who works in a job they hate is not happy in their life and is really sort of not happy with themselves can sort of do from a base level to make small little changes and go in the direction they want to go Oh man, you know, I think we could write an encyclopedia to answer that question. <laughs> and we might still not finish to explore it. One of them, if we had to mention one, could be sometimes maybe people, they overestimate the risks and they underestimate the benefits that they can get by taking the plunge. So your bit of advice is, he who dares have you seen only fools and horses no is it good it's very good british comedy and uh, okay. he says he who dares wins is that what you're saying makes sense as usual you know it depends on the situation right if you got two children and you got the mortgage and you have no savings then probably i won't tell you <laughs> take the plunge right in this very moment but you know you can start thinking about it um, and plus there are so many people who are not in that situation right many single guys who have some savings or who could still go back living with their parents if everything fails but they are still in jobs they hate so in those cases dare to do more it might be more appropriate yes okay and now here's the sort of let's let's see what happens here let's see how we can talk about comedy the structures and the things that can work out love so, it man looking forward to learn from you as well and to learn more about the industry and this lifestyle so um one of the things that's a friend of mine he says the things that hold a comedian back are seeking validation lack of resilience and focusing on what others are doing and there's a big there's one of the things that i often come across from comedians that the worst type of thing so one of them that i come across is the victim 
Like they say, oh, all the other comedians are horrible, all the this and that, all that. And what I've often found is that person who claims to be a nice person and is the victim is also a bit dodgy themselves. And they start trying to play sort of funny games of you. Like with this particular individual, they kept on saying, oh, I'm going to put you on my podcast for an interview. But, you know, it's if you want to put someone on a podcast, you just send them a link or you just say you can do it. These are the dates. It's done. Simple. But you don't just keep on mentioning it to someone every time you see them. It seemed like it was a power dynamic that he was trying to put on me. And it's a bit like, hold on a second. If you're such a kind, nice person, why are you playing this little game of trying to make yourself feel above someone? So I just thought in that situation, mate, I've got shit to do. Don't try and put me in these daft things. And one of the other things I often get are... Um, so you get people that are sort of the loud... There's a lot of things where comedians like to try and put other comedians down in order to feel better than themselves because it's fucking competitive. And there's a lot of people that are, that are very, they want to be in this position, that position. So either they attack the person that's above them, try and gossip or try and put things around them to get ahead of them. And then they either look at someone who they think is an easy target that they can put down. So they feel, oh, I may not be there, but I feel a little bit better. And then there's the other people that try and pretend that they're a good person. And one thing I've come quite close to recently into realizing, if someone can't really complain, call themselves a good person, if they don't have character, discipline, um, if they don't have character, discipline, or they, how can they possibly claim to be a good person or a nice person when they're trying to find out information about you, if they're also not stable upstairs? It's... And one of the things that I want to look at is how do you spot those signs and how can a comedian sort of, if you're just trying to make your way, get along through things and deal with people who play all these power games and try and get ahead of you and effectively bully. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think we opened a few interesting topics here. So the first one, you say it, it's a tough industry to be in and there are a lot of games and power dynamics. Yeah. I can imagine that. I think, you know, that's what we were mentioning in the beginning, right? Humans are pretty much similar and wherever you put them, wherever there are some rewards at the top, then people will try to get to the top. And some of those ways of getting to the top unluckily include pushing others down, try to take advantage of others, manipulating others, being generally a nasty yeah, exactly. person, right? And I can imagine, I think I can agree with you here deeply is that there is this concept which I called covert aggression, which is a yeah. very common, and it might be the most common way of aggressing others. And the interesting thing is that in the world of comedians, you have this ready-made way of aggressing others, which is by pretending to make fun of others, by pretending to make people laugh, right? It's a very comfortable way of hiding behind the shield. Oh, you know, I'm just saying this because we're comedians, we're having fun. But in truth, it's a, it's a total attack on someone else. And then the other thing we mentioned is um, uh, how you recognize those people, how you deal with them, which opens yeah. a whole new can of worms, right? Yeah. Yes. And what would you say the can of worms there? Like what 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 are steps to for someone to go and go around these sort of things? Like hazard mm -hmm. perceptions on the road. Yeah. yeah. But it depends a lot on what we're talking about, who we're talking about, what was the situation. For example, the situation you mentioned, the guy who said, oh, I can put you on my podcast. I think that's a very interesting situation. So in that sense, 
again, I'm guessing as an outsider, right? Yeah. What one could be striving to do in that case is that, oh, dangling the carrot, which also says, I got this cool podcast, I could help you out, right? But it already positioned him as the guy with the cool podcast and the people we invite is below them. Every time he does that indirectly saying, I got status, I got power, I got this cool podcast, I might help you, right? That already positions them higher. That's yeah. one aspect of it. And there are more as well. And how do you sort of, well, the thing in that situation was I could see the situation. So I was a bit like, behave yourself. I'll go, you know, I've got things to do. It's like, and I just sort of avoided it. When I find sort of situations like that, I just go away. And I want to get on and do things. Just fuck off and go away sort of thing. It's a wonderful choice, man. I like that. I think it's a very high quality way of dealing with it. And another thing I might have done in that case, or that you or someone else in the same position can think is that, you know, you can both try to get the opportunity and you can pull him out of his cover. So call him out of it. It's like, yeah, let's schedule it, man. Please send me an invite. When are you free? You know, accelerate towards the result and then see if he's just dangling the carrot or if he's playing games or if he's got the intent of doing it just yeah let's do it man yes please thank you so much let's do it and one of the other things that i've come across is that a lot of people as you say with covert aggression so a lot of them try and pretend to be nice but you can sort of see through it if someone is very insecure and very close to they're not mentally up here how can they claim to be a nice or a good person because being a good person when it's not convenient for you takes a lot of character and discipline and if someone doesn't have that they cannot possibly claim to be a good person absolutely man you know as machiavelli say people see what appears to be and not who you are there is everybody engages in games of trying to be more good than they are like virtue signaling is all based on that However, this is important. It's not to say that everybody's the same because a lot of people do it a lot more than others. Uh, some people do it in a way that are more aggressive and more value-taking of others. Some people don't do it much at all. And some people are actually good persons. So at the same time that people are similar, let's not pretend that everybody's the same because that's not the case. So yes, I'm pretty sure that even in the people that you know, or in the every comedian social circle, there are some people who pretend to be nicer than they are, while they are actually far nastier persons, so to speak. And how do you sort of call them out on that sort of situation where they, the thing is, they try and play the part of like concerned friend or whatever. But if you see that the signs of jealousy or the signs of like them looking up to you, and they're asking two personal questions, like each time I had, I speak to this person, they either want something or they're trying to get information and they don't you know every time i talk to them i feel like i'm doing a lecture it's a bit like hold on a second you're not bringing anything in i'm not going forward here and one thing is why would i help you when i can see that there's intentions from you to try and take shit from me mm. and how what's the sort of situation to deal with that other mm. than what i've done in those situations where i, I just kick, kick, kick people away and don't bother <laughs> Yes, uh, look, it's uh, an interesting situation. It can happen a lot of times. What I try to do is that when discussing these cases, I try to be as specific as possible. Tell me like a clear example, which I can imagine in this case, it might be difficult for you because people then can 
put two and two together and understand who you're talking about, right? Yeah. So I think one way in this case of doing it is, you know, postpone, man. When people try to get something from you, if it's on the phone, says, yeah, man, we'll make it happen for sure. Yeah, I'm a bit busy now, but, you know, we'll make it happen. And then you delay your responses more and more, you ignore more and more, and then eventually people get the message, hopefully. And once you are already with them, I think the technique, the key is to getting used to give a little bit and then ask a question, but don't give too much, right? Because like you say, if you start answering too much, then you, know, you give all the information, you give all the power, you give all the good material while getting back little. So one of the things that I often get is um, if someone said, if someone starts, so you've, you've pointed out in your article, when someone insults you, you've, if someone says sarcastically, nice shoes, you go, right? Yeah, I know, man, they're pretty good. You, you accept their frame or you go on and you say like, what about your shoes? They look like you borrowed them from your grandma or something. <laughs> and, but you say with each, each interaction, don't show emotion, just show like, easy going and also it makes it easier for you to come up with a comeback and would you say you delay a bit because a common tactic that comedians do when they're dealing with hecklers is they repeat what the heckler said so they come mm. up with, with a comeback yeah okay that's an interesting technique it can work sometimes it can give you some time to think about it at the same time it goes back to what we said before that it thread expands right because often the heckler doesn't have a microphone, right? And sometimes you have. Even if you don't have, the heckler is just a nameless, anonymous guy sitting in a row and you are on stage, so you have more power. The moment you repeat what the heckler said, you also empower his message. So I will be careful with that technique. I wouldn't necessarily recommend to do it. So if you think that what he said is good, or if you think that you can build upon it, if you think it's value adding, if you think that you can make a good joke out of it, or a bit more Machiavellian way, if you think that you can own him easily, then yes, absolutely. Repeat it, repeat it even twice. You can even say, blah, blah, blah. You say this, right? And let him confirm even more, right? However, if you're not sure about the comeback or if it's value taking for you, then it might be a better idea not to repeat it and either to close that topic or to move to someone else. Okay. And what, okay. If, but if it's, if it's, if you can see that it's like, it's, they've said something that makes no sense and it makes them look weird or stupid, then you repeat it. Yeah, it could be a good idea. Yeah. But then if you're okay, at least with making fun of the person, then yes. Yeah. And in another sort of instance, you could maybe um, just pretend that they said something else that made them look Absolutely, man. That's a great game to play. Yes, can't absolutely. And that works even better if you're already in a bigger stage because what happens is that if you're in a bigger place, then the heckler says something, ooh, here's him. It's like the two, three people close to him and that's it. That's 1%. You got the 99% with the microphone. You could just twist what he says or completely change what he said you know who's gonna catch that nobody will it's a bit of a machiavellian ploy machiavellian way of going about it but you know there is no real victim there so i think it's totally fine and then when they try and like get defensive say no i said this i said this and they get louder and louder 
what would you say then? You say, oh my God, I didn't know you were that excited about it. What's your number or something? Or what? <laughs> yeah, that's a great way. That's a great way. And I always remember, you've got the power. And that guy, even if it screams more, if it's a big place, it's still two, three percent of the people who hear about it. It's like, oh, what this guy's saying is but hurt now. You can keep also making fun of it. And with the sort of situations, so you give them... So, sorry, sorry if, I, if I get here. That is a classical frame battle, by the way, is that he wants to repeat what he says and you want to stick to your misinterpretation, right? If you think that you need to listen to his frame, then you're probably going to end up in his frame and then you're going to end up being a follower. You know, just stick to your thing. It's like, no, no, you say that. It's a bit of a... Trump does this a lot, right? But it's fair to do. You keep pretending that he said what you said at first. And then, you know, it's you against him and you on the stage have more power. So in the end, you're most likely going to win that one. And the whole point of the frame is to try and frame it in a way that it suits your world or something. So if someone tries to say that, set the frame, oh, you're a bum, you stink or whatever you say, well, at least I had a shower yesterday. Look at you. Or you say like you, you, you change the situation or you, you, you change the situation. Why are you asking about that? What happened to you today? You have to try and sort of reverse the situation. Are you saying that whoever gets defensive and accepts the situation as it is, loses the frame and then that person has the power in, in the interaction yes in a in a way absolutely and uh, what i want to clarify here is that we're discussing frame of one against another and yeah. i think that's a, a mistake that unlikely happens often because there is not much information about frames and not much good information and every time it ends up being about whose frame wins who dominates me against you right i hold the frame my frame is stronger it doesn't have to be that way. Actually, the best frame, the best relationship are more collaborative, right? Let's find a way to add value to each other. Let's find a way to negotiate for win-win. I understand that with hecklers, it doesn't end up being like that often, right? Often it's more my frame against yours who one-ups each other. However, that doesn't mean that sometimes you cannot find a way to vibe with the heckler and have a good back and forth, which is win-win, right? So let's not preclude yes. the possibility of building something together because sometimes it could end up being something beautiful. And I think that's probably a big problem with a lot of us as individuals. We try and have power in the other way. We don't think, I think the biggest thing is not most of us don't see the other side and we don't see a situation where we can both benefit. We just think of ourselves and we don't think of. Yes. Because if they say in what's it called the Dale Carnegie or as Andrew Carnegie book, he says, if you feel power, you make someone feel low, they're going to resent you and you've created sort of an enemy for a while. True. True. Yeah, very true. Yes. Um, there are exceptions even there. You know, I think it's called. Um, the Stockholm syndrome, right? So sometimes if you overpower somebody or dominate somebody, they'll start liking you because humans are also like that. But many times it's like you say, yes, if you overpower people, then likely they'll start to resent you. To go back to an example, right? Where you can use win-win. If somebody makes a joke about your mothers and you know, if you're cool with it, if you don't take it personally too much, which I think generally is a good idea not to take things too much personally, and you could just say, how was she, man? <laughs> just throw something back at him, see what he comes up with it, and maybe you can build something cool together. 
and then it's more positive. Like she's been beating me for the last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you can end up in this all sort of cool ways and all sort of nice situation that you hadn't even thought about it. And by the way, in case he cannot come back with anything cool, then the heckler has been neutralized anyway, right? And then you can take it back and build back up, or you can bridge back to the material you had prepared. Yeah, and that's that's. And how do you sort of, in a situation, go about? Because sometimes when you go around looking for collaboration, trying to portray empathy and trying to win both sides, people see that as a sign of weakness, and they sort of topple over you. How do you be firm but fair and try and create a right situation? Mm. You know, I think a lot depends how people perceive you. If people perceive you as weak and then you're trying to collaborate, then yes, people might see that as a sign of weakness. If people perceive you as a strong individual who's centered, you know, who's got good self-esteem, good confidence, and you try to go collaborative, then people are far more likely to see that as the guy who's passing a hand up rather than being weak. I call this principle mixing power with warm so that, you know, if you're only warm, then it's like you say, people might perceive it as a sign of weakness. If you are perceived, if you act high power plus warm, then that's a great place to be in and people are more likely to perceive your collaboration as something good for them as well and something magnanimous rather than weak. One of the things... So one of the things that I've, I've encountered recently, which was quite an interesting thing, was I noticed with an individual that I was working with when producing a show that they were quite manipulative and they went past things. And I thought, hold on a second, they may give good value in certain aspects, but I thought, I've got work to do. I don't want to deal with all these daft games and all this sort of rubbish. And they, they, they use coercive control. So like when I arranged a meeting, they would um, not turn up and then call me later to try and exert power. Or they would, um, you know, they'll ask business about, oh, why have you got problems with this person, that person? And they say, oh, I thought I'll call this person to put them on the show just because I thought they were good. But then I remembered that. Now, they're trying to portray that they had your best interests up, but you can see with that sort of person, they're a bit of social climber. So they thought, okay, this person doesn't like that person, I'll find out why, and I can see how I can go around it and suit my ends. Now, <clears throat> also, they would, when we were running the heck, some running shows of them, they would openly be quite disrespectful, do it, insult me in front of everyone, yeah, basically humiliate me, and then they would, um, what else did they do? They were... It's in each situation they try to coercively put you under control so you can say no. They try to get they try to use pity parties so that you do things for them. So, oh, um, my relatives aren't so well, or this and that. And you I could tell they were lying in that situation. And so they tried to could you book these nights for me? And it was a whole run of th those sort of different things. And I just thought, you know what, I'm not he was a good designer and he did good work, but I thought, I'm not really bothered about being famous. I'd much rather think about doing it on my own terms. So I thought, he's a bit of a wanker, so I'll kick him out. <laughs> and he did all, all these emotional things. And I stupidly 
regretted that decision because he he framed it as if I was a bit odd or this and that to other people and he tried to turn people against me mm -hmm. because I caught him out and the one person that that yeah 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 look, there are a lot of interesting things here that you say that we could start discussing about but I think this last one is extremely interesting which I which is why I jumped in is that you want to be careful in calling people out when they are in your social circle and when they have the power to harm you or hurt you in some way. Because then some people will do that kind of thing, right? They will try to take the little revenge and they will spread rumors about you or try to find a way to get back at you. So if you realize that somebody is a nasty wanker, you might have to think twice if you want to show that to him, if you want to tell him directly, or if you want to call him out on that. Because sometimes the best option in this case is to say, oh yeah, yeah, man, cool, thanks. And then let him um, just take distance from him, but without calling him out of it, without aggressing him, without one-upping him, without showing to him, you know, because then what you discussed can happen. Yeah. So you're saying that with that sort of distance, and how do you gently sort of get rid of those? <laughs> yeah, I was a yeah. bit, bit sort of boom. I, I, I could have gently done it, and it appeared better. Whatever. But... Exactly, exactly, exactly. You know, I'm not saying that what happened was wrong because you know you got it out of your system. You showed it to him. It can be okay. And if the harm that ensued was not too bad, then you know you've done well. Still, you know, sometimes you want to think about it. If you want to be more Machiavellian, more socially effective about it, then if somebody's in your social circle, if he has the power to harm you somehow, it's better to keep the distance, but without showing him. Kind of, oh yeah, we're still friends, but you just don't interact with him, right? You close him out, but without officially closing him out. You may, yeah, you don't do it too harshly. So that there's yeah. nothing they can sort of go on and say. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, or, or you don't do it harshly at all. You know, you just started losing contact with people. Or if he was an agent, you could come, even come up with an excuse. You know, you can even say, look, you're awesome, man. But I just happened to find this other guy who's got this other good connection, which was very good for me. I'm still happy to come back and work with you in the future, even if it's not true. You just say to him, you know, throw him a bone, throw the motherfucker a bone. The way he cannot hurt you, you know, you give him the exact same loss without incurring any losses for yourself. Mm. And that's, yeah, that's, that's one of the things, isn't it, with these sort of situations. I've done that quite a few times where I've just gotten rid of people, but it's sort of turned around. Mm. It's a bit, um, yeah. I had that also with a venue that I got. One of the things that I had also with, um, there's a lot of people that I come across who are kind of, what, what do you make of gaslighting and like what's your way of handling those that gaslight <laughs> yeah look if you got again a practical example they will help us a lot. okay i will give yeah, you a practical yeah, example yeah, yeah. <laughs> to go back to one of previous you tell me if you want to expand this more or not like you know giving a meeting and not showing up is one of the most typical classical power moves and it's a way of saying i can put you on hold because i got more power and you had to show up because you needed me, but I didn't need you, right? Very classical power move, very obvious, and also very unprofessional. And what do you make of... Um, <laughs> so 
one of the things is I had someone who tried to copy bits of my act and take credit for it. And they were very sort of that a lot of that. And there's, there's a lot of trying to take credit for my ideas that they, they did a lot of, um, they, yeah, they, they were basically uh, a bit of a bully and they tried to take credit for my ideas and they tried to, they'll try and listen in on what I'm doing and try and do this and that they would try and, they say, oh, they stuck up for me in arguments, but they're probably the ones that have been talking bad about you behind your back. Mm. And, you know, I, I didn't do anything for a while, but then I thought I would take action and just remove them from the gig. And when I confronted them about a lot of issues, they tried making it about something else, or they tried to say that you're making things up, you're going a bit mad or whatever. And it mm. was quite funny in a way, because it was a very cheap way of... of but. Mm. What, what, with a lot of the people that I get rid of, it's been a much better place, but I've not done it in maybe the right way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you mentioned a few things there. I think one way you can do about it, the first thing is trying to be proactive and strategic about how you present your best material. So for example, if you know you got something that's potentially good, don't do it in a venue that is not going to give you the biggest bang for the buck. Don't do it in a venue where people are more likely to take it from you. Don't do it in front of other comedians. Try maybe in front of a smaller audience so you can still get the feedback from the audience. But then when you do it again, you do already in front of a bigger audience with a camera so that it's recorded that you said it first. You know what I mean? So this is more like a strategic way of presenting your best material. And that's the first step towards prevention. Okay, and does it make sense? Yeah, so basically, um, be aware of things logically. So, like Michael Francesi, he's he's he says he was part of the muff, mafia. He he can't go to New York City. You know, he may believe in good and all that, but it's stupid if he goes to New York City in certain parts yeah. because they they have a lot of hatred for him and they're going to kill him. Yeah. So, if 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 I if I'm in a new material night with comedians that are less likely to put the work in. And, and I do some of my new ideas or creative ideas, definitely the chances are of them stealing are much higher because yes. they don't have the ethics or the work ethic to go and yes. do the wrong thing. Yes, yes. And it's also being strategic about where and how you present the new material that you think has the highest potential. So for example, what I would do, if you think you got a few strings of jokes, a new story that has really good potential, then I will try maybe first in a small place where you are sure that there are no other comedians that could steal your jokes. And then the next time you do it, you do it already in front of a good crowd with a camera. So this time you got it recorded that it was you who made the joke the first time, right? So if in the future you end up in a spot or you want to show to a certain audience or to certain people that somebody copied to you, then you got the proof because you got the video material. Okay. And what is your so what do you what's your what's your method for dealing with sort of eavesdroppers? Because I've had a few situations where I'm getting on with things and I come across people that try and listen in on what you're doing with someone else. And it's a bit like, why aren't you getting on and doing things? Why are you wasting time? What like doing spending so much time focusing on what another person's doing? There's plenty of people more successful that you could look, 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 look at. And how do you sort of handle those sort of people that are hangers on as I would say what's your what's your method to deal with hangers on mm, like by eavesdroppers and hangers on you mean like people who follow you trying to see what you're up to yeah and then try and like 
try and hopple in on any success you have or try and, mm. yeah. Mm. Uh, you know, um, my answer to that is a bit more philosophical. You're always going to have some of those people. So I think it's more a, a mental thing in this case, in large part, uh, like, you know, move on, keep doing your thing and use them as motivation, as fuel. You know, it's like, oh, this guy's trying to fuck me up. Okay, I'll show you, see what I'm able to do. And, you know, use that as fuel to keep on your own growth without worrying about them too much. Does it make sense? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, it, to go about something that you said before, I think it's also very important about social strategies and power dynamics. You say, when I talk to this person directly and then they come up with some stories that are not connected, there is a name for that, by the way, it's called word salad. So when you try to pin somebody down to a specific thing, they start talking about ancillary stuff. And you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? They, some people do that on purpose. Sociopaths also do that quite a bit. And the other thing is that you say they try to gaslight you to say that it was you, that you are too yeah. touchy, that okay. you're too thin-skinned, et cetera, et cetera. That's another technique. What I will say here is that watch out who you're trying to confront because sometimes confronting people is not the best idea because you make it official that you have a problem with them you make it official, then now you're an enemy. And then now they might have an excuse to actually hit you even harder and more openly. And what we talked about before, basically, you know, keep the intel in the beginning for yourself and think what's the best way to proceed. You think, you know, okay, now I've got a guy who's coping for me or a guy who's trying to block me for whatever reason, a guy who's talking behind my back is talking straight to him the best solution for this it might be but it's not necessarily the case when you read a lot of book about self-development assertiveness the answer is always go to him say it straight say in this way in this assertive way that's not always the right answer because you are making it official that you know that you don't like them and that is going to turn that person into an enemy and potentially into a bigger enemy so sometimes the best solution is do your own thing, keep quiet, take the distance, think about the next steps, but don't officialize it that you have a problem with them. You can also play the fool, pretend that you didn't realize. So that's something to keep in mind. Going directly to the person and talking directly and straight to him is not always the best solution. Hmm. <clears throat> and yeah, one of that's, you mentioned a lot of things there into another sort of, in regards to you've it's, it's been interesting talking about a few things with you and seeing your ideas and things um what would you when sort of picking people in your circle or choosing who to work with what should you look out for and what is the right process to go around putting the right people in there well, what I like to look at is what we mentioned before. Are you taking from me or are you also giving? So you want to have people that can give who are willing to give and people that are willing to build win-win relationship, right? So when you say before, I share a lot and they don't share anything, that's already a bad sign. If you get somebody who shares a lot, appreciate what you're saying, that's already a good sign, and then gives back or tries to give back. That those are a great sign for people that you want in your social circle, you want more of those people. <clears throat> and <clears throat> what's a way of testing if someone's ethical or not, or if they have any sort of morals? 
Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting that you say testing. Yeah, there are a few things you can do to test. At the same time, I think that interacting with people, especially in a professional environment, if you know what to look at, if you have a good social intelligence, not even crazy high, right? If you have a well-developed social intelligence and emotional intelligence, you will probably be able to pick up who are the good people and who are not the good ones relatively quickly. And I think it's a very, very important skill, life skill for not just success, but also for happiness and life satisfaction. The people you have around your social relationship, your intimate relationship, they are some of the most important items that makes a good life or a bad life. So that's definitely something worth to reflect on. Ask yourself, do I have the skills to pick the right people in my life? If not, then it's something that you want to work at. Mm. <clears throat> and uh, what, <clears throat> let's have a look here. We've covered a lot of things that I wanted to say. You aren't, yeah. we, we, you answered a few questions that I wanted to ask later on in some of the other um, examples you mentioned. Because I, I, I had a situation a while ago and let me know if I'm being unclear and if you want me to go further in it, because this is a very specific situation I had a while ago. And one of the things about the pandemic is it gives you time to think about things and realize what's happening. When we were in the rush, rush before, we didn't get time to think, assess or see what's happening in our lives. Yeah. And I had a venue that I was working with for a good four or five years, but I made a good decision to leave them because I, I had sort of signs for myself that they weren't the right people to work with. But because I worked so long with them, I kept going along with it. And it's basically in relationships or whatever, people keep going because they're used to it and they don't want to look beyond it. But yeah. I made the decision to leave because, and I should have, it's a decision that I should have left a long time ago because yeah. he was very dodgy from the start. So when I, I, it went quite well at first and we were putting on shows. But one of the things that was always iffy about him as a whole was that that was the first thing he did. But when it came to promoting the shows and the running the venue, the venue's a bit all over the place. He's very um, domineering of the staff, like he bullies the shit out of them. And it got towards the point where at first, because I was bringing a lot of value and money, he didn't, I didn't see that side to him. But as I got to know him, I started to see the more negative sides of him. And he was very controlling. So uh, what I should have done a while ago, he said, if you don't do the New Year's show, I'm going to get someone else to do it. And I stupidly agreed to do it when I didn't want to do it, when I should have just said, should have just left that situation. And in that show itself, he didn't listen to anything I said. He didn't give me the funds or anything that I needed to put on a good show. And I still went along with it, which is very silly. First, when they're making a threat like that, you should tell them to fuck off. And two, like, if it's not going to represent your name well or their name, what's the point of doing it? He just did it for a quick buck and it went badly. Mm-hmm. And he'd use common things of trying to insult me or put me down, like disrespect me so that I'd feel lower so you can more easily manipulate me. Mm-hmm. And then I had a situation where a while ago he would put off a payment and give this excuse or that excuse because he didn't want to do it. So he wanted to avoid doing it. And then someone else came to me. They said something about, oh, at the end of the show, another comedian, they said, oh, um, could we put on a 
like it's a good venue this like oh um could we um i'll put some cocktail thing here or whatever i said okay i didn't really sort of agree to putting on any show or anything and there was a lot of people there and she did it because she she thought oh so if i said something it'd make me look bad or whatever and then little did i know she goes and set up a comedy night without my approval and i made an agreement to him that we wouldn't set up another comedy show there because it doesn't really bring any benefit to anyone there and then once it got to that stage he then tried putting me into further small details giving me more and he asked more of me he said oh you have to be there every show you have to do this this and that basically trying to say you're my bitch boy you've got to do this and that and then she also tried to say no you agreed to it or they tried to reword different things and then yeah. i thought in that situation it's better that i just go because what else are they going to try and do to you if they don't keep certain things and yeah. my regret to that situation is i should have realized all the sooner and made a decision and fucking left mm -hmm. well look marvin i think you've done the right decision there you listed a lot of red flags which are quite big ones and you know you got your lesson learned and you quit I think the, the human mind is always looking for, you know, I should have done that, I should have done this other thing. Keep in mind, in your position, some people will still be there, probably. And instead, you have the courage to cut your losses, which is always difficult for people to cut your losses and move on. So overall, I think you did great. And there were a few situations there that are interesting from a strategic power dynamic perspective, lesson learned and how to behave in the future. One of them was that, when they asked you to do something which was not ideal for you and you said yes, that's an important uh, power moment, let's say, that depending on where it goes, it can shift the power from one side to the other. Now, the interesting thing is that if you say yes with somebody who is kind of a good person, then it might end there. But if you do it with somebody who tries to take advantage of others, then for them, it's like smelling blood, right, as you mentioned. And that... From then on, they probably, people start thinking, oh, okay, I can use this person to squeeze more bucks out of him and try to have more concessions and, you know, to get a bigger share of the pie and progressively leave them smaller and smaller crumbles of that pie. So there was an interesting point, which is something that uh, you or other comedians might think about it. When you compromise, you lose power. That's not necessary to say never compromise. Sometimes in life you gotta compromise, but be aware of what they might mean in the future. When you compromise, you go power negative. So what you might want to do, keep that in mind and try to go back neutral as soon as possible. Because if you don't go, then it's easier to go lower and lower and lower. Hmm. And one of the common tactics he also used was he tried to get me to speak first so he could try and plan different things to do or whatever in this situation. So what would you say I could have done in that situation to prevent it? Mm -hmm. Speak first, you mean like they take a break and they don't speak and then they let you go first, something like that? Yes, yes, they, they want you to do all the talking so that they could get all the information and then use it against you or whatever. Uh -huh. Okay, well, this is a technique, right? Uh, it's an old sales technique. You do your proposal, you say something, and then you stay quiet. So what can you do? You stay quiet for as long as they do, or you will say, are you trying to make me talk first? So that way you don't even waste time. If we're talking about, are we talking more in general about who says more and who says less? 
I'm talking about in that sort of situation in like terms of how to deal with someone trying to basically take advantage of which what he did and how to handle that situation and you sort of alluded to that earlier yeah yeah okay so if we're talking again on who shares more and who shares less i think that's one of the skill sets to grow in life you know like you don't have to share everything you know you don't have to talk as much as you want talking little is okay and growing comfortable with silences, growing comfortable with holding your cards close to your chest is also an important life skill to develop, which will help you succeed in life and which will shield you from the wolves who try to take advantage of you like this guy. So if you give me something like specific, more specific example, we can dig even deeper. Otherwise at the higher level, it's about being comfortable with silences and with people you don't know, with people you're not sure about, hold your cards close to your chest. It's yeah, effectively, it's in that situation, what he did there was I did that, I did talk, and then he went and used some of those ideas for what they're doing now. Oh, I see. Yeah, it's even lower than I thought then. <laughs> but I hope that didn't come across as all as a therapy session. I just wanted to discuss my situation, situations I've sort of come across and to see if it could help other comedians navigate their yeah. way properly. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, man, it's like when you give a lot of value to people, actually, that's a way to test people. Actually, we're talking about tests, give a lot of value, give them information that they can use against you, and then see what are they going to do with it. So in that case, it would have been a wonderful test. He took your ideas and used for himself. That's all you need to know about it or a good chunk of what you need to know about it. And what do you think is the thing for because one of the things, as you said, the self-help, there's a lot of bullshit in it. And it's a lot of, like, they, they, they want to take advantage of people, fill people false fantasies. And the thing is, I think in order for people to succeed, they've got to look at the harsh truths of a lot of things. But they've also got to look at it in, in optimistic and not be, be blinded by fairy dust or, like, like, Jon Snow or fantasy film sort of rubbish. Like, looking at the true things in life and how can we sort of as people be aware of things not be swept up in fantasies or myths or whatever and be grounded but not be pessimistic to go out and do things and make something of ourselves mm. yes this ties back to what we were talking about in the beginning right another reason why i got into power dynamics is that even the good resources on social skills and social strategies, even the ones that are not naive, so to speak, they still don't talk about the dark side of human nature, about the people who take advantage of others, about the strategic plays that the people can do and use. Even Dale Carnegie that we said before, it doesn't talk much about people who try to take advantage of you, right? So that's something that's missing big time in the self-help. I think what's important here though is that as you enter more into the darker side, let's say don't let the dark side take hold of you. So you want to learn it, but not become one, right? So you want to become more yeah. cynical without becoming fully cynical. I think that's important because some people will start for the first time to understand power dynamics, strategies, and games people play. 
sometimes they go to the full side and they, they become cynical. That's not necessary. So we can stay optimistic, we can stay uplifting, we can stay helpful people, value-adding people, we can be great friends, great partners, great lovers, great sons, great fathers, while still holding, learning, using the darker side of human nature. And do you feel it's just making people aware of that? And is there any sort of checks that you can do in yourself to make sure you're not the, the being the, the prick in the relationship? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, always, always, you know, take some, uh, some signals from the people around you. If people are happy to see you, if people want more of you, more of your time, if you are building good social circles around you, if you're starting to have good friends, those are all great signs. If you start thinking everybody around me is an ass, so I cannot meet anyone good. My partner tried to take advantage of me. Women are no good or men are no good. Then maybe you went too far in the cynical side and now you are being the prick. Yes, <laughs> that's true. And that's, that's something that, I, that comes across a lot. Yes, there's a big thing. I hear other comedians complain about what's it called? All the circuit, all the people are horrible, evil villains or whatever. But it's a bit like, hold on a second. No, not everyone's not everyone's a villain or being nasty. Like, come on. You're, you're, is that confirmation bias, would you say? Absolutely. There is a lot of confirmation bias in it. And there is a lot of overly cynical attitude that only looks for the negative things. And then for some people, sometimes it might also be an excuse, right? Maybe, you know, I'm not doing as good as I wish I did, or I'm not doing as good as that other guy that I know. And so, you know, instead of looking for what you can do better, you blame the whole environment. In any case, whatever the reason, it's a very bad mindset that you definitely don't want to grow in yourself. And if your the people around you have too much of their mindset, that's also a, a small red flag. Either try to pull them out of their mindset, or it might be the sign that maybe you want to spend a little bit less time with that specific person. And it's it's yeah, there's a lot of and is that is that what sort of drives you in a way where you watch people that have been in a very down state and then you're able to turn them into something over here they go and make success for themselves live life in a more positive mindset is that what drives you to do this sort yeah absolutely i think that the vast majority is still the people who are not aware enough of the dark side of human nature socialization of the self-interest etc and then there is a smaller chunk who went too much on the opposite side. And the people who strike a good balance of knowledge and skills and using it for value adding win-win relationship, which indeed is also good for them, by the way, we're not talking about just being good Samaritans here. This is good yeah. for everybody. The one is a tiny minority. So I think in the beginning, I started mostly for the people who were unaware. And then I realized that too many people get stuck here instead of going the full circle and start going up. And one of the things so one of the things I've noticed without being too cynical, I don't want to, like you said there, I so, going cynical, sometimes it's a great thing. It's a great strategy. Also, let's keep something in mind. When when we're talking about specific individual, thinking negatively about them can be a good thing because it protects you from the biggest downsides. As somebody said, people have two reasons to do things the nice sounding one and the real one. So 
the the value of being cynical in certain situation it's it's a good thing right it's not necessarily a bad thing yeah just a quick parenthesis there so one of the things that i've found that have that portrays acting and comedy i think in all performing arts there's there's a lot of um so there's people that go around like they go to charities or they give things to the homeless or they they always pretend that they're a nice guy do the smile as you say or like appear nice to this person but when you see the real side they're a bit of a quick and that that's that's a thing that goes on quite and one of the thing is i am quite cynical as well but i'm trying to do a positive thing and things i can often see those sort of people but why is it that perhaps other people aren't aware of those sort of things because if it's a bit too good to be true isn't it usually is like if someone's too like if they're being super nice but they've got no character they're just like bill burr makes a good joke about male feminism i'm, I'm sure there's some very good ones but a lot of them are very weak men who have no character they're very boring they're super nice nice and come on how can you not see from a mile off they're sucking up to you so that when you're alone they can go hello you know it's 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 clear to see it how can you not see it and how can you not see that perhaps if someone keeps betraying that they're a nice person why do they have to try so hard to be that person surely you can see what's going on behind there you know it's a it, this, this isn't a movie there's no Jon Snow Game of Thrones or like magic stuff this doesn't make sense. It's too much. You don't have to put that much effort in if you are right. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You know, there are studies about this, actually. When people know that other people are watching, <laughs> immediately they turn far more helpful, far more kinder, far bigger donors for whatever cause they are espousing. The moment that in the experiment, people make sure that you know that nobody else knows suddenly people are not so much nice anymore so a big chunk of it is definitely virtue signaling it's definitely doing good for status and doing good for your own good there is a huge chunk of that absolutely yes it's it's quite funny sometimes how people are quickly blinded by it and there's a big thing with self-help as well I'm sorry, I'm sounding cynical, but it's just that I've I've watched a lot of channels like James Janney and things that really look into it. And like if someone's trying to sell you a course on how to make a million, you know, a lot of millionaires of people that are successful, a lot of the times they're too busy to do these courses. Why are they spending all this time teaching you when they could be Absolutely. making the money themselves? Are you Absolutely. not a product? Absolutely. There was a guy who called it the paradox of practice. If you're making millions selling real estate, you probably keep selling real estate rather than writing books about selling real estate, right? And if you are very successful in your life in general, then uh, what are the chances you're gonna write a book about it, right? Maybe you're just gonna keep enjoying your life. There are exceptions, like we said before, right? Of course, there are somebody who's really good and wants to be helpful and also writes a book and makes his money for him, win-win, great. But yeah, there is a big chunk of people who are talking about things that they weren't successful at, but now they are selling the formula to you now to be successful. Some of them actually then manage to be very manipulative because they manage to make money selling how to make money or how to be successful. So now you look at them with the money and you think that they were good 
but they're only making money because they sold it to you in the beginning, right? So there is a lot of that, yeah. Yeah, copy their selling and manipulation tactics. <laughs> <laughs> look, look at what they're using for their hooks, not not what not the product itself. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, as we said in the beginning, marketers are among the marketers, or let's say there are some of the most Machiavellian people around. And what is it that makes people sort of blindsided by all of this? How come they're not sort of aware of it? How can they not? How can they sort of stop themselves and be like, hold on a second, what's going on here? How, why do they let themselves fall into it? Mm. Um, and I think that's a very good question. And there are different layers of answering to it. And there are different types of people as well. Some of them are just naive, man. Some of them, people don't know any better. Those are the sheep who go through life hoping they meet no wolves, but that's unlikely to happen because the wolves are looking for you. And then there is a chunk of people who actually does have that feeling, mm, this is something strange, but they self-manipulate because they want to believe in it. And then there are people of uh, fear of missing the train. There is a term, fear of missing out, right? So they see other people who have been successful with it. So they say, you know, probably it's not true, but I don't want to miss it in case it's really good. So they jump in. If I had to guess, I would say 70% are the naive people. So those people don't even see that somebody is out only to get their money and not to give good information. But this is something that could, people could be locked in this for 30, 20, practically their whole life in that naive thing, can't they? Some of them, yeah. Yeah, some of them, like what we were saying, the, the people who keep consuming self-help after self-help, yeah. And what... And I think this is, do you find this in your field as well? I think this is a common thing in all fields that we don't often assess ourselves or look practically at things about how we're doing, how we can go forward or what's happening around us. So like one thing in comedy sometimes, I think there's quite a lot of us that will stay at the same level, but we don't get better and we can keep mm. going years and years. And we, you can be stuck in the same place. I'm pretty mm. sure that there, there's going to be comedians Hopefully I'm not going to be one of them <laughs> for like 20, 15 years, just at the low levels, not doing anything, not trying to do anything to get better, not trying to go forward. They're just going to be stuck in this one place. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah. If we're talking about the self-help, I think some of them, they do get something back, right? So they can tell themselves, oh, I'm improving. I'm working on this. Eventually the payoff will come. Some of them just enjoy the feeling or feeling like they are improving even though it's mostly just a feeling and their life isn't really improving. If we're talking about the comedian, then maybe it's a little bit of a different case, right? So you're talking about people who somehow get stuck at the beginners, but never advance to levels where they keep on growing, making bigger money and talking to bigger audiences, right? Hmm. It's, it's, well, that's well that's the thing is how do we honestly assess ourselves that's that's mm. the question i'm looking at because yeah that's the question how do we sort of pinpoint and see if we're actually getting better in what we're doing and actually progressing because i think mm. that's, that's a hard question to answer mm -mm -mm. do you think that something like harder signals like how much money you're making or how bigger are your crowds or who is looking for you what venues are you getting 
do you think those could be reliable indicators for you advancing in your skills or you think they're not good enough i think there's i think also in terms of are you getting funnier as well mm. that's i think in comedy mm. it's more than just that because there mm. are some that get ahead career-wise but they're not always the most gifted or the most mm. Mm, 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 mm. yeah that's an interesting question man that's an interesting question you think there is a strong tie a strong link between how you're growing in terms of income revenues and places booked and people who come and see your show or people who see your videos and the level of skills or do you think the connection is not as strong um i think with comedy it's not as i think definitely you the markers you pointed are quite good to look for in anything you're doing in performing yeah. arts but i think there's a bit more to it than that mm. you should be looking at as a comedian yeah you know, okay. i think you should look at oh so are you are you able to look at your work and see if it's getting better are you able to play more rooms are you funnier than you were before are you learning about different ways of being funny mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. are you changing your act and adding more strings to your bow yeah yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun talking to you, Lucia. <laughs> Marvin, this was awesome. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I hope it doesn't come across as some sort of patient thing. <laughs> you think it looked a bit like that? Well, I'll look, I'll look. Um, I, I hope it doesn't come across because sometimes when you talk about your own personal experiences, and this is a thing that happens on stage with comedians, it turns into therapy. And I, I thought I wanted to get the balance of talking about my personal experiences, what other comedians I've asked have said, and putting that into what I'm doing now and see if that could be, if the comedians can relate to that without it coming across as I'm talking about my problems and just feeling happy to talking about them, but not giving any value. That's the thing. I didn't have the feeling, man. I think I learned a lot about comedians and I think there is a lot of value in what we talked about so far. Now, one, the two things that I'd like to ask you now, uh, what advice would, would you give to yourself? And what, um, what sort of the younger self, what, what, what's the biggest lesson you've learned in your life, in your career? And how do people get in touch with you and find out about you? Mm -hmm. Man, uh, you know, I think um, that type of question is very deep. And I think it's potentially risky because it gets you in the mindset of what have I done wrong or what could have I done better? The way I see it, it's a bit more philosophical, maybe, you know, whatever I've done in the past, I've done. That's it. And I try to improve going forward rather than going backward. One thing, though, that I am changing a little bit so far, I've been more like a hippie businessman. I didn't care much about the money, but the income, about selling. So far, the business was doing fine for me to live with it well, and it was great. Now I'm trying to focus a little bit more on the money because the business needs it. You know, you never know what can happen in the future. Google can change its ranking. You can disappear. And then if you don't have much money saved, it's not just about you. It's also about the business, the mission and what you want to achieve, the risks. So in that sense now, in the last few weeks, I'm making some moves to focus a bit more on the income side. Still, the product is the main thing for me, the passion, but you know, you also want the business side to, to adapt and to grow. And that's 
and that's that's the harsh as you say harsh reality of of our lives <laughs> yeah you need you need the financial side as well yes that's part of life as much as you prefer focusing on the passion and what you like on feelings and enjoying life finance is a part of it and you need to take care of it okay and what would you say is and how how, how do um how do, how do people sort of get in touch with you and find out about you lucia Mm -hmm. Well, they can go on thepowermoves.com and they can read about power dynamics, hopefully learn how to become more effective human beings with other human beings, learn the darker side of human nature so they are, they are ready to achieve what they want without falling for the wolves and while being more effective and more value-adding human beings. Okay. Well, everyone, that's been Lucia. I hope you've had fun and I'll see you guys at the next episode. Thank you.